Chapter 13 of The Hollow Tree Snowden Book. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amelia Brennan. The Hollow Tree Snowden Book by Albert Bigelow Payne. The Bark of Old Hungry Wolf. How the Hollow Tree People Have a Most Unwelcome Visitor and What Becomes of Him. What made Mr. Possum so anxious to get the wood? And what made him stay downstairs so long when he went after it? asks the little lady next evening, when the storyteller is lighting his pipe and getting ready to remember the history of the hollow tree. We're coming to that. You may be sure there was some reason for it, for Mr. Possum doesn't hurry after wood or stay long in a cold place if he can help it, unless he has something on his mind. Perhaps some of the deep woods people thought of that too, but if they did, they didn't say anything, not at the time. I suppose they thought it didn't matter much anyhow if they got the wood. So they went right on having a good time, keeping up a nice fire, and eating up whatever they had, for they thought the big snow couldn't last as long as their wood, and their things to eat, and every day they went up to look out of the upstairs windows to see how much had melted, and every day found it just about the same only maybe a little crustier on top, and the weather stayed very cold. But they didn't mind it so long as they were warm and not hungry, and they played games and recited their pieces, and sang and danced, and said they had never had such a good time in all their lives. But one day when Mr. Crow went down into the storeroom for supplies, he found he was at the bottom of the barrel of everything they had, and he came up looking pretty sober though he didn't say anything about it, not then, for he knew there were plenty of bones and odds and ends he could scrape up, and he had a little flour and some meal in his pantry, so he could make soup and gravy and johnny cake and hash, which he did right away, and they all said how fine such things were for a change, and told Mr. Crow to go right on making them as long as he wanted to, even if the snow stayed on till spring, and Mr. Possum and Mr. Coon said it was like old times and that Mr. Crow was probably the very best provider in the big deep woods. Mr. Crow smiled too, but he didn't feel like it much, for he knew that even Johnny Cake and Gravy wouldn't last forever, and that unless the snow went away pretty soon, they would all be hungry and cold, for the wood was getting low too. And one morning, when Mr. Crow went to his meal sack and his flour bag and his pile of odds and ends, there was just barely enough for breakfast, and hardly that, and Mr. Crow didn't like to tell them about it, for he knew they all thought he could keep right on making Johnny Cake and Gravy forever, because they didn't have to stop to think where things came from, as he did, and he was afraid they would blame him when there was nothing more left. So the old black crow tried to step around lively and look pleasant, to keep anybody from noticing, because he thought it might turn warm that day and melt the snow, and when breakfast was ready he put on what there was and said he hadn't cooked very much, because he had heard that light breakfasts were better for people who stayed in the house a good deal, and as for himself, he said he guessed he wouldn't eat any breakfast that morning at all. Then while the others were eating, he crept downstairs and looked at the empty boxes and barrels and the few sticks of wood that were left, and he knew that if the snow didn't melt off right away, they were going to have a very hard time. Then he came back up in the big living room and went on upstairs to his own room to look out the window to see if it wasn't going to be a warm melting day, 
but Mr. Crow came back pretty soon. He came back in a hurry too, and he slammed his door and locked it, and then let go of everything and just slid downstairs. Then the deep woods people jumped up quick from the table and ran to him, for they thought he was having a fit of some kind, and they still thought so when they looked into his face, for Mr. Crow's eyes were rolled up and his bill was pale, and when he tried to speak he couldn't, and Mr. Rabbit said it was because Mr. Crow had done without his breakfast, and he ran to get something from the table, but Mr. Crow couldn't eat, and then they saw that some of the feathers on top of his head were turning grey, and they knew he had seen some awful thing just that little moment he was in his room. So then they all looked at one another and wondered what it was, and they were glad Mr. Crow had locked the door. Then they carried him over to the fire, and pretty soon he got so he could whisper a little, and when they knew what he was saying, they understood why he was so scared and why he had locked the door, for the words that Mr. Crow kept whispering over and over were, Old Hungry Wolf, Old Hungry Wolf, Old Hungry Wolf. All the Deep Woods people know what that means. They know that when Old Hungry Wolf comes, or even when you hear him bark, it means that there is no food left in the big deep woods for anybody, and that nobody can tell how long it will be before there will be food again. And all the Deep Woods people stood still and held their breath and listened for the bark of Old Hungry Wolf, because they knew Mr. Crow had seen his face looking in the window, and they all thought they heard it, except Mr. Possum, who said he didn't believe it was Old Hungry Wolf at all that Mr. Crow had seen, but only Mr. Grey Wolf himself, who had perhaps slipped out and travelled over the snow to see if they were all at home and comfortable. But Mr. Crow said, no, no, it was Old Hungry Wolf. He was big and black, and I saw his great fiery eyes. Then Mr. Possum looked very brave, and said he would see if Old Hungry Wolf was looking into his window too, and he went right up, and soon came back and said there wasn't any big black face at his window, and he thought that Mr. Crow's empty stomach had made him imagine things. So then Mr. Coon said that he would go up to his room, if the others would like to come along, and they could see for themselves whether Old Hungry Wolf was trying to get in or not. They all went very quietly up Mr. Coon's stair, all except Mr. Possum, who stayed with Mr. Crow, and they opened Mr. Coon's door, and took one look inside, and then Mr. Coon, he slammed his door shut, and locked it, and they all let go of everything and came sliding down in a heap, for they had seen the great fiery eyes and black face of Old Hungry Wolf glaring in Mr. Coon's window. So they all huddled around the fire and lit their pipes, for they still had some tobacco and smoked, but didn't say anything, until by and by Mr. Crow told them there wasn't another bite to eat in the house, and very little wood, and that that was the reason why Old Hungry Wolf had come, and they talked about it in whispers, whether they ought to exercise any more. Because though exercise would help them to keep warm and save wood, it would make them hungrier, and some of them said they thought they would try to go to sleep like Mr. Bear, who slept all winter and never knew that he was hungry until spring. So they kept talking, and now and then they would stop and listen, and they all said they could hear the bark of Old Hungry Wolf, all except Mr. Possum, which was strange, because Mr. Possum is fond of good things and would be apt to be the very first to hear Old Hungry's bark. And when the fire got very low and it was getting cold, Mr. Possum said for them not to move, 
that he would go down after a piece of wood and he would attend to the fire as long as the wood lasted and try to make it last as long as possible and every time the fire got very low mr possum would bring a piece of wood and sometimes he stayed a good while just for one piece of wood but they still didn't think much about it not then what they did think about was how hungry they were and mr crow said he knew he could eat as much as the old ancestor of his that was told about in a book which he had once borrowed from mr man's little boy who had left it out in the yard at dinner-time then they all begged mr crow to get the book and read it to them and perhaps they could imagine they were not so hungry so mr crow brought the book and read them the poem about the ravenous raven oh there was an old raven as black as could be and a wonderful sort of raven was he for his house he kept tidy his yard he kept neat and he cooked the most marvellous dainties to eat he could roast he could toast he could bake he could fry he could stir up a cake in the wink of an eye he could boil he could broil he could grill he could stew well there wasn't a thing that this bird couldn't do he would smoke in the sun when the mornings were fair and his plans for new puddings and pies would prepare but at last like the famous jim crow with his shelf he was greedy and ate all his dainties himself it was true he was proud of the things he could cook and would call in his neighbours sometimes for a look or a taste it may be when his pastry was fine but he'd never been known to invite them to dine with a look and a sigh they could stand and behold all the puddings so brown and the sauces of gold with a taste and a growl they'd reluctantly go praying vengeance to fall on that greedy old crow now one morning near christmas when holly grows green and the best of good things in the markets are seen he went out for a smoke in the crisp morning air and to think of some holiday dish to prepare mr rabbit had spices to sell at his store mr reynard had tender young chicks by the score and the old raven thought as he stood there alone of the tastiest pastry that ever was known then away to the market he hurried full soon dropping in for a chat with the possum and coon just to tell them his plans which they heard with delight and to ask them to call for a moment that night for a look and a taste of his pastry so fine and he hinted he might even ask them to dine then he hurried away and the rest of the day messrs possum and coon were expectant and gay oh he hurried away and market he went and his money for spices and poultry he spent while behind in the market were many he knew who would talk of the marvellous things he would do so with joy in his heart and with twinkling eye he returned to his home his new project to try then to stir and to bake he began right away and his dish was complete at the end of the day ay the marvel was done twas a rich golden hue and its smell was delicious the old raven knew that he never had made such a pastry before and a look of deep trouble his countenance wore for thought he i am certain the possum and coon that i talked with to-day will be coming here soon and expect me to ask them to dine when you see there is just a good feast in this dainty for me now behold he'd scarce uttered his thoughts when he heard at the casement a tapping this greedy old bird and the latch was uplifted and gaily strode in both the coon and the possum with faces a grin they were barbered and brushed and arrayed in their best in the holiday fashion their figures were dressed while a look in each face to the raven at least said we've come here to-night sir prepared for a feast 
and the raven he smiled as he said howdy do for he'd thought of a plan to get rid of the two and quoth he my dear friends i am sorry to say that the wonderful pastry i mentioned to-day when it came to be baked was a failure complete disappointing to taste and disturbing to eat i am sorry dear friends for i thought twould be fine i am sorry i cannot invite you to dine and the coon and the possum were both sorry too and suspicious somewhat for the raven they knew they declared twas too bad all that pudding to waste and they begged him to give them at least just a taste but he firmly refused and at last they departed while the greedy old crow from the dining-room started and the pie so delicious he piled on his plate and he ate and he ate and he ate and he ate well next morn when the possum and coon passed along they could see at the ravens that something was wrong for no blue curling smoke from the chimney-top came so they opened his door and they called out his name and they entered inside and behold on the floor was the greedy old raven but greedy no more for his heart it was still not a flutter was there and his toes were turned up and the table was bare now his epitaph tells to the whole countryside how he ate and he ate and he ate till he died when mr crow finished mr rabbit said it was certainly an interesting poem and if he just had a chance now to eat till he died he'd take it and mr coon said he'd give anything to know how that pie tasted and he didn't see how any one pie could be big enough to kill anybody that felt as hungry as he did now and mr possum didn't say much of anything but only seemed drowsy and peaceful like which was curious for him as things were well all that day and the next day and the next there wasn't anything to eat and they sat as close as they could around the little fire and wished they'd saved some of the big logs and some of the food that they had used up so fast when they thought the big snow would go away and the bark of old hungry wolf got louder and louder and he began to gnaw too and they all heard it day and night all except mr possum who said he didn't know why but that for some reason he couldn't hear a sound like that at all which was very strange indeed but there was something else about mr possum that was strange he didn't get any thinner all the others began to show the change right away but mr possum still looked the same and still kept cheerful and stepped around as lively as ever and that was very strange by and by when mr possum had gone downstairs for some barrel staves to burn for the wood was all gone mr rabbit spoke of it and said he couldn't understand it and when mr coon who had been thinking about it too said he wondered why it sometimes took mr possum so long to get a little bit of wood then they all remembered how mr possum had stayed so long downstairs whenever he went even before old hungry wolf came to the hollow tree and they couldn't understand it at all and just then mr possum came up with two little barrel staves which he had been a long time getting and they all turned and looked at him very closely which was a thing they had never done until that time and before mr possum noticed it they saw him chew a kind of last finishing chew and then gave a little swallow a sort of last finishing swallow and just then he noticed them watching him and he stopped right in his tracks and dropped the two little barrel staves and looked very scared and guilty which was strange when he had always been so willing about the wood then they all got up out of their chairs and looked straight at mr possum and said what was that you were chewing just now and mr possum couldn't say a word then they all said what was that you were swallowing just now and mr possum couldn't say a word then they all said 
Why do you always stay so long when you go for wood? And Mr. Possum couldn't say a word. Then they all said, Why is it that you don't get thin like the rest of us? And Mr. Possum couldn't say a word. Then they all said, Why is it you never hear the bark of Old Hungry Wolf? And Mr. Possum said very weakly, I did think I heard it a little while ago. Then they all said, And was that why you went down after wood? And once more Mr. Possum couldn't say a word. Then they all said, What have you got down there to eat, and where do you keep it? Then Mr. Possum seemed to think of something, and picked up the two little barrel staves, and brought them over to the fire and put them on, and looked very friendly, and sat down and lit his pipe and smoked a minute, and said that climbing the stairs had overcome him a little, and that he wasn't feeling very well, but if they'd let him breathe a minute, he'd tell them about it, and how he'd been preparing for a nice surprise for them, for just such a time as this, but when he saw they had found out something, it all came on him so sudden, what with climbing the stairs and all, he couldn't quite gather himself, but that he was all right now, and the surprise was ready. Of course, you know, Mr. Possum said, that I have travelled a good deal, and have seen a good many kinds of things happen, and know about what to expect, and when I saw how fast we were using up the food, and how deep the snow was, I knew we might expect a famine that even Mr. Crow's Johnny Cake gravy wouldn't last through, and Mr. Crow mentioned something of the kind once himself, though he seemed to forget it right away again, for he went on giving us just as much as ever, but I didn't forget about it, and right away I began laying aside, in a quiet place, some of the things that would keep pretty well, and that we would be glad to have when Old Hungry Wolf should really come along, and we had learned to live on lighter meals and could make things last. Mr. Possum was going right on, but Mr. Coon interrupted him, and said that Mr. Possum could call it living on lighter meals if he wanted to, but that he hadn't eaten any meal at all for three days, and that if Mr. Possum had put away anything for a hungry time, he wished he'd get it out right now, without any more explaining, for it was food that he wanted, and not explanations, and all the others said so too. Then Mr. Possum said he was coming to that, but only wished to say a few words about it, because they had seemed to think that he was doing something that he shouldn't, when he was really trying to save them from Old Hungry Wolf, and he said he had kept his surprise as long as he could, so it would last longer, and that he had been pretending not to hear Old Hungry's bark, just to keep their spirits up, and he supposed one of the reasons why he hadn't got any thinner was because he hadn't been so worried, and had kept happy in the nice surprise he had all the time, just saving it for when they would begin to need it most. As to what he had been chewing and swallowing when he came upstairs, Mr. Possum said that he had been taking just the least little taste of some of the things to see if they were keeping well. Some nice cooked chickens, for instance, from a lot that Mr. Crow had on hand and didn't remember about, and a young turkey or two, and a few ducks, and a bushel or so of apples, and a half a barrel of doughnuts, and... But Mr. Possum didn't get any further, for all the deep woods people made a wild scramble for the stairs, with Mr. Possum after them, and when they got down in the storeroom, he took them behind one of the big roots of the hollow tree, and there was a passageway that none of them had ever suspected, and Mr. Possum lit a candle and led them through it, and out into a sort of cave, and there, sure enough, were all the things he had told them about, and some mince pies besides, 
and there was even some wood, for Mr. Possum had worked hard to lay away a supply of things for a long snowed-in time. Then all the hollow tree people sat right down there, and had some of the things, and by and by they carried some more upstairs, and some wood too, and built up a fine big fire, and lit their pipes and smoked, and forgot everything unpleasant in the world, and they all said how smart and good Mr. Possum was, to save all that food for the very time when they would need it most, when all the rest of them had been just eating it up as fast as possible, and would have been now without a thing in the world except for Mr. Possum. Then Mr. Possum asked them if they could hear Old Hungry Wolf any more, and they listened but they couldn't hear a sound, and then they went up into Mr. Crow's room, and into Mr. Coon's room, and into Mr. Possum's room, and they couldn't see a thing of him anywhere, though it was just the time of day to see him, for it was late in the evening, the time Old Hungry Wolf is most likely to look in the window. And that night it turned warm, and the big snow began to thaw, and it thawed, and it thawed, and all the brooks and rivers came up. And even the wild blue water rose, so that the deep woods company had to stay a little longer in the hollow tree. Even when all the snow was nearly gone, Mr. Rabbit was pretty anxious to get home, and started out one afternoon with Mr. Turtle along, because Mr. Turtle is a good swimmer. But there was too much water to cross, and they all came back again just at sunset, and Mr. Crow let them in, so they had to wait several days longer. But Mr. Possum's food lasted, and by the time it was gone, they could get plenty more, and when they all went away and left the three hollow tree people together again, they were very happy because they had had such a good time, and the coon and possum and the old black crow were as good friends as ever, though the grey feathers on the top of Mr. Crow's head never did turn quite black again, and some of the deep woods people call him Silver Top to this day. The little lady looks anxiously at the storyteller. Did old Hungry Wolf ever get inside the hollow tree? she asks. No, he never did get inside. They only saw him through the window and heard him bark. And why couldn't Mr. Possum ever hear him sometimes? Well, you see, old Hungry isn't a real wolf, but only a shadow wolf, the shadow of famine. He only looks in when people dread famine, and he only barks and gnaws when they feel it. A famine, you know, is when one is very hungry and there is nothing to eat. I don't think Mr. Possum was very hungry, and he had all those nice things laid away, so he would not care much about that old shadow wolf, which is only another name for hunger. The little lady clings very close to the storyteller. Will we ever see old hungry wolf and hear his bark? The storyteller sits up quite straight and gathers the little lady tight. Good gracious, no, he says. He moved out of our part of the country before you were born, and we'll take good care that he doesn't come back any more. I'm glad, says the little lady. You can sing now, you know, the hollow tree song. End of chapter 13 Recording by Amelia Brennan